sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Welcome back, everybody, here on to the early line, hour number two on the grid. Dane Martinez and my man, the candle burner, Kevin Walsh, trying to give you what you need bright and early in the morning and get you ready for the sports day. We try to put the fun in functional sports content at the same time, Kev. We now, you know, for the NFL has been taken over by these like COVID positive tests, what the schedule will be like, what could, would and should happen. But there's other news and notes and injuries that we have to let people know about heading into week five of the NFL season, which, as you mentioned, kicks off today. We'll talk about Thursday Night Football in a hot second. But, Kev, there will be two starting quarterbacks in the NFL in week five that were not the starting quarterbacks for their team in week four. And the first one I want to ask you about is in our nation's capital where Dwayne Haskins has been benched. He has gone not from QB1 to QB2, but to QB3 for the Washington football team. Remember, Ron Rivera kind of telegraphed this, saying there was a line, saying he needed to be better. You and I have had this conversation before, the idea that, you know, he didn't draft them. Right. So he now gets the guy, Kyle Allen, who, quote unquote, knows the system to do it. I find it interesting that Alex Smith has been promoted to the backup quarterback. He is now a play away from finishing his comeback story. But I want to talk about Haskins, because after that game on Sunday, you and I literally said it was a good game from Haskins. He threw for 300 yards. And I remember telling you. This was good enough for him to keep his job, right? And we thought it was. I know you believe that Dwayne Haskins is getting the short end of the stick. Tell me why hashtag all quarterbacks matter. Dwayne Haskins threw for a career high in yards, didn't turn the ball over against the Baltimore Ravens, and had his third best passer rating in a single game of his career and got benched for Kyle Allen who knows the system, who last year had 34 turnover-worthy plays. Jameis had 40. The difference? 150 less pass attempts for Kyle Allen, who is terrible and not a good quarterback and will not be the answer for this football team. Dwayne Haskins does not have 16 games played under his yep. belt. He has started 11 games in his career under two regimes in a situation where nobody, nobody thinks there is talent. I heard someone yesterday list off, listen, we all know Terry McLaurin is great. They found something in Antonio Gibson. That's the list. That's the list. Of I'd actually round- venture to say the list is one, but go ahead. Oh, I- no, but that, the, with a bullet, the second best skill player is a third round rookie right. running back slash wide receiver. Swiss Army with knife, a yeah. Bullet, like it's a joke. It is a joke to say, oh, he should be as if Kyle Allen is winning these games. Your defense, Ron, has given up thirty plus three straight weeks. Why don't you figure yep. that out, pal? That's not mm-hmm. really getting the job done. 
So, so let me ask you this then, because it goes even further. It goes even further, Kev. Dwayne Haskins not taking any reps in practice either, right? Like they are looking to move on. Like, do they trade Dwayne Haskins? Is Dwayne Haskins kind of a backup somewhere else? Does he go and like? Honestly, the funny part for me, uh, as we welcome in our radio audience around the country, shout out to all the affiliates, is this feels Josh Rosen-esque to me. The But the Rosen thing, like, that, I mean, what a disgrace that whole offseason was. Like, just everything that they did there, the coaching, the offensive coordinator, the whole yeah. thing was a total, total, total mess. This year should have been about figuring out what you had in Haskins, right? Right, I agree. The counter of, yeah, but they want to win games. Then sign Cam Newton. Then sign Cam Newton, right? They had that opportunity. Cam Smith. Newton knew the system also, didn't he? Correct. F. Correct. <laughs> and had a link to Ron Rivera. Like, yeah. you didn't have to then show up here with Kyle Allen as your backup plan, okay? And by the way, if the answer is, well, listen. They're looking at the division, and they're seeing that they are actually closer than they think because Dallas and Philly is not good. Right. You're one and three. You're not good either. And Kyle Allen is not good at all. You have a better chance with Haskins or make a trade. Call up New Orleans for Jameis Winston. Like, right. call around the league for some of these backup QB situations. You think you can maybe get Mitch for free out of Chicago? Like little Nick Mullins there. action, little, so, little CJ like, Beathard, sure. like go out there then and actually try and make a move as opposed to set. But, but that's not what it is. Here's what it is. Ron Rivera had a four game sample size where he goes, ah, he's terrible. I can bench him and I can justify drafting a quarterback next year because the now that I have to listen to win now Washington football team is really just setting themselves up for a top five pick. It's a BS move. He's been trying to bench him since week two, and they won in week one. It's trash. Ron Rivera's tenure is a joke already. And all I can say is, as an Eagles fan, thank goodness in an offseason where this division had three cracks at the apple to bring in new head coaches, Ron Rivera, terrible, McCarthy, bad as Jason Garrett, and Joe Judge might get fired after one year. Thanks for making this easy. That's how a terrible Eagles team with no healthy players sits at the top of the division because none of these other teams can get out of their own way. We will see how it plays out. There is still 12 games left for these teams in the NFC East. And I got to tell you, Kev, the Washington football team right now, the only team in that division with a divisional win under their belt. Do I think they're going to win? No, I do not. Another quarterback switch, more NFL injuries when we come back. Hi, this is Dr. David Chow, and we have a great announcement from ProFootballDoc.com. You've seen me all over SportsGrid. I hope you've enjoyed it. But now you can go to the website and get more customizable, exclusive, better content, more detailed, searchable for your own needs for gambling, DFS, and fantasy purposes. And the best news of all at ProFootballDoc.com for all SportsGrid viewers, it's now free. Sign up today. Line up! The early line. This game with Buffalo, which quite frankly was a game of undefeated AFC teams, I, I, I struggle to see if it will go on as scheduled now. 
Yeah, I don't think it's looking good for that. The Bills do have a Week 15 matchup in Denver that maybe those teams come together to play that now. The Sports Grid Network. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back, everybody, right here onto the early line on SportsGrid. Dane and Kev. And Kev, you know, you're, you are making a strong point that Dwayne Haskins, in essence, is just getting the short straw, right? Like, did he have a full chance to prove his worth? And the funny part is, when we look around, right, like, Baker's getting the full chance. Sammy D's getting a full chance. Josh Allen got a full chance, right? And so sometimes, you know, I know it's a win-now culture and a win-now league and a win-now society, but, you know, maybe we should give Haskins a little bit more of a chance. Josh Allen is a top five MVP candidate this year. That's yep. not hyperbole, and that's not something that I like. Am happy to say because I thought Josh Allen was going to be bad. And guess Fandle what? Sportsbook through, says so. Through Josh Allen's first eleven games, I felt vindicated that he was going to be bad because through his first eleven games, he wasn't good. I tell you what, though, Dwayne Haskins been better through their first eleven career starts. Haskins better completion percentage. More yards per attempt, more yards, more touchdowns, less picks, better passer rating. What do you want? What do you want? Like, through the board, definitively, Haskins better than Josh Allen. And I didn't see this leap coming from Josh Allen, but you know what he had working for him? Time and an Mm -hmm. organization that invested in resources around him, like a Stefan Diggs trade. It is laughable to suggest that we have seen enough from Haskins that he should be moved on from. And I will tell you this right now. Kyle Allen will get benched. Then we will do the Alex Smith thing. I hope he holds up health-wise. And if he does not, what are we going to do? Go back to Haskins, who you've now completely alienated and sent to the third. He's going to be inactive this Sunday. Inactive. Meanwhile, Josh Allen's a top-five MVP candidate. This is how you mess up organizations. This is how you set yourself back. Yeah, and Alex Smith is one play away from getting back on the center with the Washington football team. Another one would be like Daniel Jones in that same division, right? Like how has he performed in his starts? But he will still get every potential possibility, even though he leads the league in fumbles and turnovers, right, to prove that he can do the job and the organization has to find out as a priority. The other team in New York has a quarterback, right, who may have a new regime next year and may fall into some of the same issues. The New York Jets will have a quarterback change this is not performance this is injury okay sam Darnold got dumped on that shoulder last week he gritted it out he probably got a shot and was feeling no pain but now they're going to hold him out joe flacco will be the starting quarterback for the new york jets as they take on the arizona cardinals the jets will also potentially have some returning assets back whether it's perryman mims bell we're gonna find out about that um I'm telling you, Kev, you know I'm a Jets fan, right? We, we've talked about this. It'll be so 2020 Jets. Joe Flacco will beat 
beat the Arizona Cardinals, look good doing it, and we're going to have a QB controversy on our hands in New York between, like, should Darnold get back there? What do you think is going to happen with Flacco under center? Yeah, I think it's possible. I, I don't know. I, I Arizona's really lost to me over the last two weeks. You try not yep. to overreact. But, yep. look, I'll give you either a road trip to Carolina or a sneaky Lions team. I can't give you both. This is a Jets team that stays home, extended rest, right, having played last week on Thursday night yeah. football. Joe yeah. Flacco, listen, I don't care about the Super Bowl MVPs, whatever it is. He's still a competent enough quarterback to take advantage of a Cardinals team right now that is, you know, kind of tripping over themselves. I don't love it. I think I lean towards taking the seven, though, in this spot. Yeah. And I agree with you. I don't know why we should be surprised if an Arizona team that we thought was ready to answer the bell maybe isn't drops a game here to a home team that's on some extended rest. Yeah, I want and to yes, remind it will then you, lead Kev. To the whole, what do we do, yeah, of course Darnold Flacco? Of course thing. it will. We're in New 100%. York here, right? I want to remind you, when we were doing our roster resets, we, we were warming on the Arizona Cardinals. Remember that? And I want to remind you, we had we saw for the Cardinals, though, that they had back-to-back-to-back road games at one point, which was something I reminded you of, right? Yeah. Those were at Carolina at the Jets this week, and then at Dallas Monday Night Football next week. I want to talk about some other injuries, some teams that are affected. A big-time AFC game this week with all the other ones hopefully happening. Honestly, Kev, is Cleveland-Indianapolis for me, a battle of three-and-one teams, and Cleveland's a little bit banged up. We know about Chubb, right? But uh, Kareem Hunt. Limited in practice. Odell Beckham, limited in practice as well for the Cleveland Browns. Talk to me about what you think the Browns are going to look like. A little bit banged up. Clearly no chub. Is this mm-hmm. Dearness Johnson going to be a piece of it? Will they still go heavy with the run game, and will it be all hunt? Or will they still kind of have a one-two punch, in your opinion? Odell also limited. This is the biggest game of the weekend. Two, three, and one AFC teams. There's only seven spots. This game's going to matter a lot when we look back on who's in and yeah. who's out. Chubb not being there, I can move past because what we've seen from Kareem Hunt when available, actually one of the better running backs in all of football, right? Like for, for my DFS players out there, he's priced at 7000 this week on FanDuel, okay? Compare that to Ezekiel Elliott's 9000 and ultimately like a 2000 gap for guys that are of, I don't know, can I say comparable skill levels from what we've seen from Kareem Hunt? Maybe. The question is what you asked right there. What is the desired workload yep. for Kareem yep. Hunt? And can they even get to that point because he is battling this groin injury? I would say, though, like, listen, you don't ever want to put the cart before the horse. I get it. This game matters a lot, man. This game matters a ton in this AFC race because this might be the team you're neck and neck with in the 7-8 spot here. If the Titans hold serve and let's say they win the South, it might be the Browns and the Colts figuring out who's in and who's out. So you want to be full go. Maybe that's why they're being a little bit more cautious in practice with Kareem Hunt and Odell Beckham, but you're coming up against what is right now Apparently a top five defense in football. Maybe the best defense in football. So I think the key guys. Yep. And here's the thing. I'll give you the Pittsburgh Steelers early in the season as a case study, right? Remember when Benny Snell impressed 
and James Conner banged yeah. out. And we were like, oh, will the Steelers change their philosophy and go timeshare? They didn't, Kev, and James Conner was still their bell cow. So I asked, what, again, will the Cleveland Browns change their strategy of the one-two punch, keeping fresh backs, or will Hunt mm -hmm. become a bell cow, something to watch? The San Francisco 49ers are also getting a little bit healthier, Kev. Jimmy G cleared for limited practice. Raheem Mostert cleared for limited practice. They will be angry and welcoming the Miami Dolphins this week. If they start to get healthy, I'm going to tell you, something i'm considering the 49ers as my survivor pool play this week yeah the niners are a team that's shaping up to maybe be the the best teaser play on the board but the devilish smile that comes across my face as we talk about this game is because i've started to do some more futures market digging and i'd be okay. lying if i said i didn't start to come around to a 50 to 1 shot on Tua tungavailoa to win rookie of the year because this might be it for good old Ryan Fitzpatrick. We always try and find the beloved yep, the spot. spot to put the rookie this in. The spot. Right? Next week, they play Denver. The week after that, they play the Chargers. Preseason? Ooh, tough matchups. I don't know. Now, those are two games they might be favored yeah. in. So, if Tua can step in after this game 50-1... to one, you know, look, you play it on on FanDuel. If they offer yeah. you a buyout opportunity when that number's sure. cut in half because he starts next week, be pretty happy about that. That is very interesting. I, I told you, I think San Francisco's going to be pissed off because of their loss to the Eaglers. Eagles, a tough trip for Miami. And you are correct. This could be the end of the magic for Ryan. You talk about that rookie of the year. I wonder what James Robinson was at the beginning of the year for Rookie of the Year. If you want to know the truth, there's some value for you if you want to know. I'd cash out on that. Listen, we also got to talk about Monday, uh, Thursday Night Football. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are incredibly banged up, but we will do that on the flip side when we come back. We've got our guy from Young Run Pure. We're going to talk UFC. We're going to talk Thursday Night Football. Big things. Stay with us. The early line continues when we come back but before that get all the news and notes you need it is the sports grid news update and then we'll talk octagon when we come back right here on the early line sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com Hey, welcome back in, everybody, right here on to the early line, including our radio affiliates from around the country, especially the mightier 1090 out there in Southern California. Thanks for waking up very early with us, Dane Martinez, Kevin Walsh, and we are joined by our guy, Joe Annecy. Usually in this spot, you know, we have Jay, the Sports Keg CEO, but he's got a personal matter to attend to, so he's going to the bullpen with one of his guys, and we bring in Joe. Thanks for stepping up in the spot. As a pinch hitter here, we are trying to get some plays. Our guy Jay hooked us up last week, and so we got more fights in the octagon, and we bring you in. Thanks for joining the show, Joe. Absolutely. Excited to be here, guys. All right, fair enough. Let's get right into this. The main event, and we're back at Fight Island, I think, for like the next five weeks or something. The main event in this one, I am intrigued by Corey Sanhagen against Marias, and to me, 
tell me if I'm crazy, Joe, but Sanhagen is like the up-and-coming young lion, right? And Marius is this guy who's been around, has fought everybody, and sometimes it goes quick for these older guys. Like, I'm reminded of Peter Jan dominating Aldo when Aldo is way too old, in my opinion, right? So talk to me. Is there any reason to not go with the ascending young kid, who, by the way, is minus 152 right now on FanDuel? Yeah, so I definitely like uh, Corey. Uh, Marlon's 18-2 since 2012. His only loss is split decision loss to Rafael Suncount in 2017 and his fight loss to Henry Cejudo last year for the belt. So, you know, he has KOs over number one contender, Aljamain Sterling, Jimmy Rivera. A win here could set him up for another title fight. So, you know, this is a big fight for him. Obviously, Corey just came off his first career loss, first-round submission to Aljo, number, mm-hmm. one, number one contender as well. Personally, I'm going to throw that fight out. It happened too fast. I think he got caught. You know, I think he comes out here looking to redeem himself and prove something. He has a five-inch reach advantage or five-inch height advantage, a four-inch reach advantage. Six of his eight have stopped before the final bell. You know, this is going to be a five-round fight. This is also Corey's first five-round fight, which is pretty interesting. This is no stranger to Marlon. He fought in the World Series of Fighting. He fought for the belt seven times and defended his belt Mm. seven times, and these were all five-round fights. So mm. only one of them went to the distance. So I'm really, like, leaning on this fight not going to distance. I know it's kind of juicy, but if you watch Marlon's recent fight versus Jose Aldo, that was only three rounds, and he was gassed in the third round. Um, in retrospect, Corey's never fought a five-round fight, as I said. You know, the X factor here is Marlon switched American top team in his training camp. So I'm kind of uh, wondering uh, what he changed in his game from switching training Gym camps. Yeah, so he's looked rather um, predictable lately, and I think maybe the gym change will make him a little throw something flashy or something different. He, he rarely tries to grapple, and I could see Corey uh, trying to grapple in here. You know, he's tricky, and you really don't know what he's going to get for him. So uh, if it goes to later rounds, I expect Corey to probably get a finish. So I would definitely like fight to not go distance. I know it's a little juicy. Maybe he's a parlay piece, but uh, that's what I'm leaning mm. there. So I'm curious, you mentioned the Corey Aljo fight and throwing it out. And I understand why, right? When a fight ends that quickly, look, I'm still trying to convince myself I, I didn't make a bad bet when I took Ben Askren over Jorge Masvidal. Like, and I'm going to die <laughs> on that hill forever, even if I'll never get the money back. So I understand what you're saying there. But what do you, how do you then, considering it's the first career loss, expect Corey to bounce back? Because I got to think now, mentally for him, He's got to be pretty fearful of getting in maybe too close because a lot of people felt like they were almost so dry. That's why Aljo was able to latch on and be completely unmovable off of Corey. So how do you think he is mentally off of that first career defeat? So I did watch an interview with him, and he said um, leading up to the fight, he was um, rather calm. And obviously it did pay dividends, and he said he's not doing that this time. He's going to be a little hyped up about it. I know without fans, it's a little hard to get hype up, but he's going to get hyped up. Also, Marlon doesn't really have much grappling or wrestling, so Aljo is known for his wrestling, you know. So mm-hmm. I think Marlon is going to look to stand and bang here, and Corey has with the height advantage, the reach advantage. I'm, I don't think he's really afraid to go to the ground. So I think he has the advantage on the ground. So I really uh, don't see a sub from Marlon coming at all. I think this one stands on the feet as most of Marlon's fights, that's where the fight is determined, on the feet. So the longer it goes, as I said, I think um, Corey has a better chance here. And I I eventually probably see him winning the fight as well. Dan, if I could just ask Joe one more about Marais. Go right ahead. Um, Now, my thing with Marlon is – Again, like, because I, I always, with the fight game, man, like, you're in there to, to, to fight a dude. Like, so the mentality always matters to me. 
And Marais had to watch Aldo get a title shot after beating Aldo. And this is his first <laughs> fight since then, right? So, like, if you're Marais, and what's, what's odd is, he won that fight on a, on, a, on a decision where a lot of people thought he actually lost the fight. And that's why I love what you're saying here about this fight not going the distance, because I can't imagine either guy has any interest in leaving this up to the judge where winner maybe does get a title shot after Aljo. For Marais, though, like, uh, are we maybe seeing a little bit of value on a guy that some might argue could be the champion had he got the shot that Aldo ended up getting, even though Aldo lost to Marais? Absolutely. I, I personally think he probably should be the favorite, probably minus 125, minus 130 range. Obviously, it's kind of flipped here. Um, but I've been watching Marlon for a long time because he's before he moved over to uh, American Top Team, he trained in Jersey with Mark Henry and uh, the guys over here. So I know he trains with a lot of my friends. So I actually called one of my buddies last night and I said, hey, you know, mm -hmm. give me some insight on uh, what do you think Marlon's going to go at here? And he said um, Mark Henry had been pushing him a lot in the later rounds, and he even in practice, and he really wasn't um, up for it, really wasn't feeling it. So I know he gave him a little pushback on that. Um, yeah. And he hasn't fought a five-round fight in a couple since, – since the World Series of Fighting, he hasn't fought a five-round fight. Even his main event um, fight with Aldo was only three rounds, or, or Coleman was only three rounds. So, you know, I, I, I think he is getting up there in age. He has fought a lot of fights. And um, I think the longer this goes, Corey, you know, I definitely think there's value in Marlon for sure, mm -hmm. you know, as I said. But um, I think Corey gets the job done. It's interesting. And then also, Joe, you mentioned that you don't think this is going the distance. FanDuel offers that double chance bet and where you can get Sanhagen by KO, TKO, or submission, basically not by points. And that is plus 175. That may be a way to skin this cat to combine if you think the kid does it and it doesn't go the distance. I would be interested in that. Another fight I want to ask you about, Edison Barboza. Now, I heard elsewhere on this network that Barboza was almost maybe asking for his release out of the UFC, and that Dana White, you know, maybe at times is like, yeah, now go take on this kid on the way out that people don't know about, but may be able to take your back. Talk to me about what you think in this fight. Barboza is a big-time favorite. What do we know about this kid going off at plus 210, Arakani? Yeah, so, I mean, Barbosa's been fighting in the UFC for 10 years. That's a pretty impressive feat in itself, you know. He is on a little skid here. He lost five of his last six, two by split decision. They could have won either way. I probably think he won his last fights for Dan Danny Gay. But uh, listen to the guys he fought. He's fought Khabib, Kevin Lee, Dan Hooker, Justin Gaethje, Paul Felder, mm -hmm. and Danny Gay the last time out. So, man, those, those are no slouches. I mean, I'm, a, I'm an Edson guy. I love that he leaves it all in the cage. In the later stages in his career, he really focused more on standing and banging, where I think he has a clear advantage here. But Amir Khani, he's back, quick turnaround fight. He beat Danny Henry, beat Anaconda Choke um, his last time out. He hasn't fought really anybody of Barbosa's caliber, caliber, so I really think he's going to try to – he's a very skilled wrestler. He holds multiple freestyle Greco-Roman wrestling medals. His 16 professional mm. wins, 11 by sub. So I really expect him to try to get wow. it to the ground. I heard him say in a recent interview he thinks he's a better wrestler, and he promised this won't go to the judges. Take that as you please. But uh, <laughs> Edson, Edson, Edson doesn't like guys who pressure him. He likes to fight at his distance. He's going to need a lot of movement and not get back to the cage. If Irakani comes down and takes him down, it could be a bad night for Edson. Um, I think he eventually wins by wrestling and getting submission. That would be the only way he wins. Barbosa hasn't fought a wrestler in almost five years, and that was – 
basically, I mean, Donald Cerrone, if you could call him a wrestler, he submitted him, and Tony Ferguson both submitted him. So my opinion, this fight goes two ways. It's either by Bosa, by KO, or if they get lucky, they go to decision, or Amir Khani via sub, and you can get that at a nice, juicy price. The, the question I have on Barboza, and look, I get what you're saying here. At the end of the day, you lose to Khabib, Gaethje, yeah, who hasn't? Get in line, right? So I'm not going to hold that against you. But at the end of the day, he has been on the wrong side of a lot of these decisions. And that's why I have to imagine, if Arakimi's like, look, we ain't going the distance. Barboza, you lose back-to-back splits. Look, I'd rather throw my chin out there and get knocked out before I let another judge take one away from me, probably in his mind. Minus 186 for this fight not to go the distance isn't bad at the FanDuel Sportsbook. And under two and a half rounds at minus 144 at the FanDuel Sportsbook also has my attention. Do you think those are bets that we're getting enough value on to make? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think Amir Khani needs a stoppage to really boost his stock personally. And as you mm-hmm. said, um, Barbosa's on a little skid. He really, if 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 he really needs this, he really needs a finish. You know, he really needs to yeah. cement himself back in the top five. You know, to really get get a chance for another title shot if he really wants it. You know, and he definitely needs something of a highlight finish. And you're probably right. That's that's the look under uh, two and a half rounds or not to go distance. I'll tell you what, though, Joe, you said a nice, juicy price. If Marconi can get the submission like he guarantees, that's plus 500. I might, I might listen. This idea is one. You know what I'm saying? I love me some plus money. That's why I'm trying to even get Sanhagen at plus money. And if you say it's not going the distance, the double chance may be the way to go. We only got a minute left here in this segment. I do got to ask you, Joe. I'm a plus money guy, if you can't tell already. Are there any other dogs on the card or places we can go where we might be able to get some plus money? Yeah, so um, the next fight I really like is Marcus Perez versus Drickis Duplessis. So Marcus, is uh, he has six fights in the UFC. He's alternated wins and losses every fight. His three wins are all by sub. Um, he doesn't have really no- any knockout power. The last time he knocked somebody out was in 2016 versus a guy versus one win. So I'm not really scared of him. Duplessis is a great grappler and kickboxer. This will be his first UFC fight, but he's a former champion in two different organizations, KSW and Extreme Fighting Championship. He has finished nice. all 14 of his fights, nine by sub, five by knockout. Since this is his first UFC fight, I went back and watched his last couple fights. He's been very, very impressive. He's fought some high-level hey, fighters. Let me let me hold you there, though, because we got to take a break, okay? We got to take a break. Copy. We're going to go to commercial. When we come back, though, Joe, I want you to finish your thought because I need to get this plus money. And we'll even get your thoughts on some of the NFL as well. We'll do that with our guy Joe coming back right here on the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back, everybody, right here on to the early line, giving you the edge on SportsGrid. Dane Martinez, Kevin Walsh, as always, and we continue to be joined by our guy Joe Annecy in for Jay, the Sports Keg CEO. Before we went to break, you were talking about, like, a, a, a tall, lanky British fighter, I do believe. Right, Joe? Yep. So, um, basically, this is Marcus Perez versus Drickus Duplessis. Um, Duplessis. 
Basically, he's a great grappler and kickboxer. This will be his first UFC fight, but um, he was a former champion. Two different organizations, KSW Extreme Fighting Championship. He's finished all 14 of his victories, nine by sub, five by knockout. Since this is the first UFC fight, I went back and watched his fight. He's been really impressive, you know. Um, he even got knocked down in the first round of his championship bout. Never gave up. Came back and eventually knocked the guy out in the third round. I wouldn't be surprised to see this guy in the top 15 in middleweight in the near future. He faced an opponent where he definitely has an advantage on the feet. And he has a four-inch reach advantage, and I definitely expect him to have a, be a better grappler. So if they stand, if they fully stand up, I expect a KO from Duplessis, no chance. Um, I know minus one fifty is a little, you know, not crazy on him on the money line. So I would take it within the distance because I really do think he gets a finish. Marcus Perez isn't somebody mm-hmm. I'm really impressed by, so you can get a nice juicy price, probably about one fifty, one sixty-ish range, on um, him to win within the distance. I like that, Joe. Before we let you get out of here, I, I selfishly wanted to ask a big picture UFC question because, look, Israel Adesanya the other day against Paolo Costa put on what was one of the most impressive performances I feel like I've I've seen in, in recent years. I mean, this guy Costa comes in undefeated. He didn't look like he, he knew what he was doing. It, it almost felt uh, Ronda Nunez-esque, right? Except Costa <laughs> didn't have this, like, wild layout. Like, there's so many, like, it was crazy. So that happens, and then we instantly just have to start talking dream fights. And apparently that's all John Jones does these days, is he just talks about dream fights. But I don't know if he actually wants to have any of these fights. I, I just feel like I don't know how Izzy steps in the same cage as John Jones. It feels like there's a massive disparity in size, yet I'm not sure I ever want to count out Israel Adesanya after what I just saw. It's a double-part question of do you think we ever actually see that fight? And if we did... Is Izzy live in that fight? So, I mean, you know, I personally think the only way they fight would be at 205. I don't think Izzy's going to really move up to heavyweight. Um, So John would have to obviously fight at 205, and Izzy would put on some weight. That would be a very interesting fight to me. I think I kind of do think Izzy is live. As we've seen in John Jones' last couple fights, he's slowly, slowly um, getting taken advantage of, and he's slowly, you know, possibly losing decision fights, but, you know, they're not doing enough to become the champion. So I definitely do think he's live. I'm not really a John Jones guy myself. Um, I like mm. him as a fighter. I don't like him personally. But uh, if, if it came, push came to shove, I'd definitely be rooting for Izzy there. Um, I think Izzy, mm-hmm. you know, he throws a lot of different stuff, weird stuff that John Jones, you know, won't really be ready for. He's ready for a guy that just stands there and bangs. And Izzy is a little unorthodox, and I think this will create mm-hmm. havoc for John Jones. Yeah. Wow. Well, well, thanks for letting us know, Joe. Remember, the first part of that question is, will it ever happen? And I think that <laughs> might be the tougher part of that equation. Yeah. But thanks for spending a couple of minutes with us. And uh, we'd love to have you back sometime. I hope all these bets come in because I'm going to be betting Sanhagen now, but maybe with that double chance. And the idea of duplicity inside the distance may be on my card this weekend as well. And I've got your information. So if I'm wrong, I know where to find you. But thanks for spending <laughs> a couple of minutes with us here in the early line. All right. Joe, thanks. Absolutely. Appreciate it, guys. Anytime, anytime. What do you think, Kev? Interesting. Again, these, you know, we're back at File Island, these cards. I'm intrigued by some of the some of the plays that Joe gave out, especially these like double chances, because he doesn't think these fights are going the distance. For me, there's been twice now where we've brought someone on and yeah. they gave an answer that instantly I was like, oh, Dane's all over it. And it was, <laughs> it was when Tom Bogert came on, and I don't remember the game, but he predicted a draw. And we both were like, oh, yeah. Ooh. And the MLS is back to him. <laughs> right? Yeah. We, were, we were so excited. Yeah. And then our yeah. guy Joe throwing you a five to one dog. 
This Ooh, is, yeah. It's that's right. This guy by submission. Yeah, I'm Listen, like, Dane's going to be all over this. I'm all over it. I'm all over it. And so our DMs I, I will be ablaze on Saturday night around yeah. 11.30 when it goes down just like that. But, Kev, before that, we have Thursday night football. So let's finish our show sure talking about this as week five. We don't know how many games will be played in week five. But I think the Bucks and Bears will kick it off tonight to start. So let's look at this line and this total. There's been some movement in this game. The Bucks were favorites, but remember, they're the road team on Thursday night football, and they are laying points. It's down to three and a half, 44 and a half as the total. And what I got to say, we talked about it with the injuries before, right? But Tampa is so banged up. Uh, Godwin has already been ruled out with the hamstring. Evans yeah. has an ankle. Fournette has an ankle. Shady McCoy as well so the way i want to frame it is this is that too much to hurt this bucks offense or will it be just like i saw on monday night when we were talking about all the packers skill position players that were mm -hmm. out but oh yeah their hall of fame quarterback was still there and knows how to manage it all make guys better and still put up the 30 points will the weapons being gone from the bucks matter or does tb12 still have enough to get it done i mean look they just put up 38 right with no godwin brady threw five touchdown passes and I mean, I wouldn't mind that he handed one off to Ronald Jones for some fantasy teams, but that's hey. okay, Tom. Do your thing, pal. I, I I really like this Bucks team. I really do. And it breaks my heart to be off the Bears to the, to the degree that I am off the Bears. Right. And this is a slippery slope that I'm about to walk down here because I don't know how many teams – I don't even know if the Bears' opponent has a quality strength of schedule. But, okay – Needing three touchdown fourth quarters is not a sustainable way to win games. The Bears have already done it twice. They won't do it again the rest of the year. Okay? The other games are you had a, <laughs> a backdoor teaser cover against the Colts where you had three points for 57 minutes of the game, right? And then a touchdown and a two-point conversion that were totally meaningless. You end up getting at the end bell there. The other game is a home non-cover against the Giants. Trubisky was the quarterback. I get it. I just, I am viciously off this Bears team. And maybe really? that's a mistake. You I were so know, on him with I Nick know, Foles only a week so ago. Sorry. In this spot last week, you and our guy Jay, the Sports Keg CEO, were getting me to change my bet to the Bears. Now you're off? Which, which I feel so bad about. I feel so bad about because by the time we got to kickoff, I'm like, oh, the Colts are going to be. I know you did up. say that. I feel horrible about it. And maybe I'm overreacting because maybe they really did just play the best defense in football. I right. Think got a, I think the Bucs got a real good defense as well. And I trust Tom on a short week. And sometimes you just hear things and they land. And I was listening to someone say, if the Bears didn't have those two comebacks, you would need to lay a touchdown plus here. And it, I just can't shake it. I can't shake it. So I keep looking at three and a half as a discount here. I just, and it might be a big old trappy trap because this number's going the other way. But I like this Bucks team. And I, I think I trust them on both sides, both sides of the ball more than I trust the Bears.
Yeah, listen, you know, everybody's talking about the Bucks' offense, right? But the Bucks' defense under Todd Bowles got better towards the end of last season, has been yeah. decent this year. Remember, Levante David was the NFC Defensive Player of the Month in September, right? So they have the horses there. I want to I wanna see if I can tempt you. Kev, I have a plus 310 bet on this game. I'm in already. All right. I want to see. Remember we talked about how compromised some of the skill position players are for Tampa? Mm -hmm. Evans with the ankle. Howard is already done. Godwin already out. In the waiver wire uh, piece that I did and what I've told you about, I think someone who can emerge on Tampa is the tight end Cameron Brait. Okay, Mm -hmm. making America great again. And with no O.J. Howard, I still don't believe in Gronk. And I know Brady loves himself. Some tight ends in the red zone. Brady caught a touchdown last week, and he is plus 310 as an anytime touchdown scorer today. Kev, Ronald Jones is minus money, but then they have Mike Evans at plus 115. I don't know if he's going to play. Scotty Miller at plus 175. I don't know if he's going to play. Leonard Fournette at 3-1. to I don't know if he's going to play. And then there is Cameron Brait there standing at 310. I do believe he's going to play. I know he's an animal in the red zone. I know Brady likes it. You want to ride with me? Plus 320. Cameron Brait, anytime touchdown scorer tonight. I can't get mad at that. I believe caught a touchdown last week. I mean, look, Brady is going to gimmick up and keep throwing, you know, five yards or less touchdowns. And you're going to want the pass catchers, right? So I'm not mad at that. Let me give you a prop, Dane, and see if you can sink your teeth into it. Solidarity, brother. Let's do it. Right now, I am trying to figure out why everybody out there decides to bet this game one way, okay? Make one bet on this game, and we all cash a winning ticket. Let's say you, on a typical primetime game, make five bets, right? And you lay out five units. I am trying to figure out why I don't take my five units and put it all in one spot. Mike Evans' yards prop is 62 and a half. Again, he has played two games without Godwin and has yeah. 100 yards receiving in both games. Why is this 62 and a half? It's the same number I played last week. Now, I was running a risk here because he left hurt and then he was healthy. Right. And maybe that's the answer is the injuries. Yep. But I don't see any world where I get 60 minutes from Mike Evans and I don't get over 62 and a half receiving yards. Yeah, listen, last week, Kev, on Pro Football Today, our show on Sunday with Mike Blewett and Ariel Epstein, one of the props I gave was Mike Evans over four and a half catches. And he got there, I believe he got seven. Um, But you raised the point that this will be my answer to you, right? In that game last week, he got like three, four. He was dominating and then went out with injury, right? This is the short week. He does have an ankle. He would need to play the full game to get to that total. That would be – if he plays the 60 minutes, I'm with you, bro, okay? That would be my concern. That would be my concern that on a short week, the injury, does he start and not stop, finish? Does he re-aggravate it? Or does something happen if you like this Bucks team that they have a lead where discretion is the better part of valor and they don't push it if he's a little gimpy on that ankle? If he plays 60 minutes, I'm all with you. My only concern about, let's put it this way, consolidating all five units on that play <laughs> would be the risk of him leaving the game early, Kev. 
Which you have to be, but like that That's happened risk, yes. last week. Yeah, but that happened last week. He came back. I think he came back in and still hit it. Like sure. I listen. Always bet responsibly, and I am not going to put five units on a bet. I will never put five units on a bet. <laughs> I don't even know if I'll put two units on a bet. Okay, but like I can't believe this number. I can't like because it's almost to me to say then that the Bears run away and hide, and then you have to play like Ronald Jones rushing yards props, right? <laughs> because No, seriously, because last week's game script did dictate that Brady had to throw the football a bunch, and maybe yes. then that's a part of the puzzle here, right? But, like, you said, Dane, it was like the first drive. He had three for 47. Oh, but trust me, I was watching. Drive. Like, we know Mike Evans is a big play player, so he very well, like, I just... This number to me is so unchanged. I'm uncomfortable and might ultimately not even bet it because of how uncomfortable. I want it to be 70. And be like, oh, okay, they adjusted. I'll still go over. As opposed to them being like, no, go ahead. We dare you. I don't like being dared. Disrespectful. <laughs> Truth or dare here on the early line. When we come back, I'm going to try and nail Kevin and pin him down on some picks on this one when we come back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, right here to the early line. And as we finish up, the morning after is up next. I know what they're going to be talking about, Kev, because we have just received word that another member of the Tennessee Titans have, in fact, tested positive. So, I mean, you know, at this point, Kev, this is Thursday. I don't see how their game against Buffalo goes off here in week five. Yeah, another player's tested positive, plus an inconclusive test yesterday confirmed as positive. This uh, obviously not good. Ian Rappaport making the point that the game for Sunday obviously in doubt. I mean, we're almost at the point where, let's just say, Friday and Saturday are negative. And then they say, okay, let's make it a Monday night game. Can't do that. Bills play Thursday. Also, right, even if, let's just say, they were like, we'll make it a Sunday night game. Whatever, right? How many guys do the Titans have available? Like, there's what almost twenty players positive. Like, I, I don't know. If I don't. I don't yeah, mean to be like inflating that. that number, but like, it's a high number of players that are positive within this Titans organization. And you know, for me, I don't really love the idea of forfeits and, and punishments during these times because we're in the middle of a pandemic, and so I. I it doesn't, I don't like feel great about, you know, pointing the finger. This is your fault. Right. Clearly, it, it, it appears the Titans didn't handle things the right way, you know, a la the Miami Marlins, you know, sure. at least the reports that we got on the Marlins back then. But, you know, we're now at a point, man, where this, if you look around the league, this type of outbreak appears avoidable. Uh, we don't know. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's not with football. But this is, it's just, 
It's disheartening because nobody it's wants this. No, nobody wants this. It's very disheartening. We're seeing it in college football also, though. There are teams with, yeah. like, 20-plus players and games getting canceled left and right. I think the University of Houston's, like, playing their first game. Um, so, you know, we will see how this moves. But one thing I know for sure is if they don't play this week, the NFL has lost its wiggle room on the buys. And so we'll continue to monitor this. The morning after is up next. We'll keep following this story. And then we'll have a football Friday to discuss it all when we're back here tomorrow. Have a great day, Kevin. Have a great day. Hey, everybody. We'll see you tomorrow. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.